If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello. Today I am talking about Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl. The new movie, Dead Men Tell No Tales, comes out today, and I'll talk about the original, the actors, the behind the scenes, and of course, the soundtrack, all today on Soundtrack Alley. So Dead Men Tell No Tales, the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, comes out today, and I'd like to look back on the original. First, let's talk about the different actors. We'll first talk about Johnny Depp a bit. When you marooned me on that godforsaken spit of land, you forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Johnny Depp originally improvised a lot of Jack Sparrow's catchphrase lines, such as, Savvy, and there's a small scab on Jack Sparrow's chin that gets bigger and bigger throughout the movie. The makeup artist and Johnny Depp did it on purpose as a prank. The clothing and smears of charcoal were used to conceal Johnny Depp's numerous tattoos. The Jack Sparrow tattoo on his arm in the movie is a fake but he got a real replica after finishing the film in honor of his son, Jack. He also wore contact lenses, which served as sunglasses so he wouldn't be squinting in the sun all the time. And Johnny Depp's character, Captain Jack, is portrayed to having gold teeth in the film. The gold teeth were Depp's idea, but he predicted that executives would want fewer gold teeth and told his dentist to implant more gold teeth as a bargaining tool. Sparrow's final number of gold teeth in the film was what Depp had envisioned all along. One of the film's last lines, Bring Me That Horizon, was conceived by Johnny Depp on the morning the scene was filmed. And having decided that pirates 
were the 18th century equivalent of rock stars, Johnny Depp's characterization of Sparrow was inspired by close observation of his friend Keith Richards, though he emphasized in interviews that it was not an impersonation. When filming in the cave, there was excessive makeup that was added to the characters so they wouldn't look washed out on film. And when the crew realized how cool the makeup looked on Johnny Depp, they continued to use it on him for the rest of the movie. In one scene, Jack Sparrow reveals that the pirate term parlay originated with the French. The word parlor or parles, pronounced parlay, are forms of the French verb to speak. Captain Jack Sparrow's flagship is actually two pirate flags combined to be a unique flag, especially for him. The skull is from Calico, Jack Rickham's flag, and the crossbones are a general item from several different flags, often referring to death. Let's next talk about Jeffrey Rush a bit. I must admit, Jack, I thought I had you figured. It turns out you're a hard man to predict. Jack the monkey is seen smiling when Barbosa thanks him specifically after he returns the Aztec coin to him after Jack Sparrow chases him. In the special features on the DVD, it's revealed that the monkey did this purely by chance, and it was not planned out in any way. According to the screenwriter's commentary on the DVD, Will Turner is the best swordsman in the film, Barbosa and Commodore Norrington are evenly matched, and Jack Sparrow is the worst. According to the DVD commentaries, Jeffrey Rush had a theory that people watch the screen from left to right, just like when they read a book. Therefore, he tried to be on the left side of the screen as often as possible. He was particularly intent on doing this in the scenes where, with the monkey and Kira Knightley because he didn't think anyone would look at him otherwise. The name Barbosa might have been derived from the real Turkish pirate Barbarossa. Barbarossa, also known as Redbeard, was once a pirate in the Aegean and the Mediterranean seas before he became a fleet admiral of the Ottoman Empire Navy. The film was such a success that Disney closed their Pirates of the Caribbean attractions at Disneyland, California, and Disney World, Florida, to update them. The new storyline of the attractions is Captain Barbosa chasing Jack Sparrow, both of whom were added in the form of animatronics. Disneyland opened their updated attraction on June 26, 2006, two days after the world premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. Disney World opened its new attraction on July 7, 2006. Disney World did a sneak peek uh, to the ride on July 6, after the park closed to resort members during extra magic hours. Throughout the film, Barbosa is seen holding a Granny Smith apple, which originates in Australia, with the intent for it being the first thing he eats. Jeffrey Rush, who plays Barbosa, is also Australian. In the original draft of the script, Barbosa was Italian, not English. 
In an interesting twist, it was not Captain Barbosa who killed Bootstrap Bill Turner. Although he did strap a cannon to Bootstrap's bootstraps, Bill would have been a member of the cursed crew and undead at the bottom of the ocean. In the eight-year span after that event, to when the movie takes place, we can assume he was able to break free of the cannon and get to land somehow. Therefore, he would have died some other way by to be a member of Davy Jones' crew in the next movie. Even more unfortunate, if he were unable to free himself, it would have been his own son William who caused his death by returning the piece of gold to his blood or with his blood to the chest lifting the curse. Let's talk a little bit about Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. Well, so good to see you. I had a dream about you last night. About me? This was set entirely proper for you to... About the day we met, do you remember? How could I forget, Miss Swan? Well, how many times must I ask you to call me Elizabeth? At least once more, Miss Swan. As always. The first theatrical trailer was released with the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, to capitalize on the fact that both films starred Orlando Bloom. When casting for the role of Will Turner, it was down to Orlando Bloom or Heath Ledger. Gore Verbinski chose Bloom because he'd heard he was in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and he felt it would have been a more bankable choice. The scene where Orlando Bloom impersonates Johnny Depp's performance was devised by Bloom, who asked producer Jerry Brockheimer if he could put it in the movie. When Will wakes up after being knocked out the morning after the Port Royal siege, he looks out into the port, and in the background is a young girl sweeping a porch. The actress is Lucinda Dryzek, who plays young Elizabeth in the beginning of the film. The tattoo that Orlando Bloom got on his right wrist during Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, is covered throughout the most of the film. It's visible during the sword fight in the blacksmith shop when Will raises his sword to parry after Jack's You're not a eunuch, are you? And again, below decks on the interceptor, where Elizabeth reveals she took the medallion, and Will realizes it was his blood the pirates need to lift the curse. You can see it just as he reaches the touch to touch the medallion on her chest. During the scenes when Elizabeth Swan falls into the ocean, activating the coin around her neck, the clouds in the sky form an outstretched, grasping hand coming toward the island. Kira Knightley revealed on a talk show that during the filming of the movie, she had to constantly have padding to make her chest appear like there's something there. Kira Knightley wore colored contact lenses like Johnny Depp's in the last scene of the movie, but since her eyes are lighter than Johnny Depp's, they had to be dark in the center and light on the outside. She complained they made her so so dizzy that she threw them away after the night of, of shooting. Kira Knightley was only 18 years old when the movie came out, which is pretty surprising. Now let's talk about some other facts of the film. Right then. I confess. It is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew and tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer my Weasley black guts out. I said no lies. I think he's telling the truth. 
If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it to you. The East India Company, the real-life counterpart of the film's franchise East India Trading Company, really did brand pirates with a P, but it was put on their forehead instead of their arm. Industrial Light and Magic designers scanned turkey jerky to create the effect of decomposing skin when the pirates turned into their skeletal forms. The facial hair sported by Gibbs is Kevin McNally's own. He grew it to shorten the time spent on makeup during the filming, which makes a lot of sense. The names of the three main characters are all linked to birds. Jack Sparrow, Elizabeth Swan, and William Turner, who was a famous ornithologist. The skull and crossed blades flag was the flag of Calico, John Recklin, longtime lover of notorious female pirate Anne Bonney. Writer and co-creator Stuart Beatty wrote the part of Jack Sparrow with Hugh Jackman in mind. The character's first name was even a nod to the actor's name. However, Disney did not feel Jackman was a big enough star for the part, so the part eventually was offered to Johnny Depp. And when you look back, there's so many uh, adventure books uh, regarding the young adventures of Jack Sparrow, and they're a good read. Zoe Saltana uh, did not enjoy her time on the film. She said, There weren't the right people for me. I'm not talking about the cast. The cast was great. I'm talking about the political stuff that went on behind closed doors. It was a lot of above the line versus below the line. Extras versus actors. Producers versus P as is. It was very elitist. I almost quit the business. I was 23 years old and I was like, forget this. I'm never putting myself in this situation again. People disrespected me because they look at my number on a call sheet and they think I'm not important. And yet, Zoe Saldana went on to do much greater things. The movie's world premiere was located in Disneyland Park, at the Disneyland Resort in California, home to the original Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. The ship used as the HMS Interceptor is an actual ship. The Lady Washington and its official tall ship ambassador of the state of Washington. She can also be seen in Star Trek Generations and was used as a reference for the RLS legacy in Treasure Planet. I love that movie. It has also been used in the show Once Upon a Time as Killian Jones' Captain Hook's ship, the Jolly Roger. The island Isla de Morte is Spanish for Island of Dead. Tortuga is also Spanish, meaning turtle. Three uses of the song Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me by Xavier Antigono and George Bruns in the opening scene, sung by young Elizabeth when Jack and Elizabeth are marooned on the island, and then again it was used in the end by Jack. The jail scenes in which the prisoners try to tempt the dog to hold the keys to their cells 
Jack says, that dog is never going to move. Although the movie dog eventually does, the one in the ride doesn't. Jack later tries to tempt it with a bone, as does one of the audio animatronic pirates on the ride. The burning town sequence, and within it, the red-headed prostitute who slaps Jack, and the stuffed pirate drinking the rum, spurting out of a barrel, and that's right out of the ride as well. Uh, this was the first PG-13 release under the Walt Disney Pictures label in the U.S. The Walt Disney Company, however, has released PG-13 and R-rated films under the Tuckstone Pictures and Hollywood Pictures labels since the 1980s. During the sword fight scene between Jack Sparrow and Will Turner in the blacksmith shop, the clanging of their swords is just about in sync with the rhythm of the incidental music, which Claus Baudet uh, does an amazing job with. The monkey Jack is played by two capuchin monkeys. One is a 10-year-old female named Tara. The other is an 8-year-old male named Levi. The producer Jerry Brockheimer and director Gore Verbinski wanted to use the massive water tank in Rosario, Baja California, and Mexico used for Titanic and Pearl Harbor. But Peter Weir's film, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, had the tank booked during the time the Pirates movie was scheduled to shoot. Uh... In the early version of the script, according to the DVD commentary, Norrington was to ask Elizabeth to marry him, and she said no. Enraged by this, Norrington was going to join Barbosa, and the two of them were going to try to take over the Caribbean. However, that script was turned down. When Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, the screenwriters, originally pitched the movie to the Disney executives in the early 90s, it was rejected. Before the film was made, the Walt Disney Company considered making this a direct-to-video film, with Carrie Ewells, Rick Mallow, and Christopher Walken being the top three choices for the role of Captain Jack Sparrow. That certainly would have made a different movie. On August 10, 2002, a fire was started on the soundstage where the movie was shot. Nobody was hurt, and the damage was estimated to be $350,000. The figurehead, a sculpted ornament on the bow of ancient vessels of the ship carrying Elizabeth and Governor Swan at the beginning of the movie, is actually the coat of arms of the United Kingdom, and it's the figurehead of the actual ship of the line, the HMS Victory, which participated in the Trafalgar battle against combined French and Spanish navies under the command of Lord Horatio Nelson in 1805. HMS Victory is now preserved at Portsmouth, England, as a museum, and is the oldest commissioned warship in the world. She still has a captain and crew, although no longer seaworthy, having been in dry dock since 1922. The crest holds the French motto of the British monarchs, Dieu et mon Dieu. God and my right, and the old French motto of the Order of the Garter, evil be unto him that thinks evil. Governor Swan's first name is Weatherby, 
Commodore Norrington's first name is James, and Barbosa is Hector. The latter is revealed on the DVD commentary with Johnny Depp and director Gore Verbinski. The medal hanging from Norrington's neck early in the film identifies him as a knight commander in the most honorable order of the bath, which is kind of hilarious. The only film in the franchise for this specific film, uh, there were no company credits at the beginning of the film, which made it stand out from the others. It was also denied release in China because the film contained references to its ghost, the supernatural, and the afterlife. The British Navy would not have promoted a man to Commodore as a rank. Commodore was a distinction held as a temporary post when a post captain commanded more than one ship at a time and was given the privilege of wearing a vice admiral's coat only for the duration of the commission. After the mission set out by the Admiralty was completed, the rank reverted to post-captain. Parley is not exclusively a pirate ritual. Parley was originally a meeting between kings and their retainers, and later became a meeting between enemy forces to discuss truce. Land forces traditionally signal a request for parley under a white flag, and naval forces under a black flag. Somewhat confusingly, a black flag flown by land forces is traditionally taken to mean no quarter, or no surrender accepted, such as the black flag flown by General Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna during the Texas Revolutionary War. As Jack Sparrow's crew arrive at Isla de Morta, Cotton's parrot says, Dead men tell no tales, which of course is the name of the movie that's coming out today. Uh, now let's get into some music facts. Uh, Alan Silvestri was first suggested to provide the score, but has been replaced by Claus Baudet. However, some movie posters still show the credit music by Alan Silvestri. These posters also show a different story credit omitting the four-story writer Jay Wolpart and screen story by Stuart Beatty and Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. Well, I've got some cues for us today. The first set really give us the themes for Pirates of the Caribbean. Claus Baudet really highlights these themes throughout the whole score. The three themes I have for us is the Medallion Calls, the Black Pearl, and Will and Elizabeth. Note in these cues how Claus gets the melody just right for these themes that are carried throughout the entire series. So now let's play those cues.
next, I've got Walk the Plank, where Barbosa thinks that Miss Swan actually has something of value to the pirate crew. This highlights the terror of seeing the skeletal pirates now knowing that they have a curse. Next, I have Barbosa is Hungry, which shows us the desire the pirates have of the Black Pearl to be human once again. And then I'll play Moonlight Serenade, which gives us our love theme for the film with Will and Elizabeth. I really like these pieces, and it shows that Claus Baudet actually started the whole franchise with something really simple in his pieces of music. So let's play Walk the Plank, Barbosa is Hungry, and Moonlight Serenade. <laughs>
come to an end of another episode of Soundtrack Alley. I'd like to thank Jillian Orwall for my intro today. I'd also like to give a shout out to Bat Books for Beginners podcast, as well as Trekker Talk for the recent shout out about my podcast. I'm trying to get this podcast to sounding better and I'm hoping it's working. Over the course of these several next weeks, I have several movie release podcasts coming out. In the near future, I have a special fundraising podcast with the help of the Infinite Transmission podcast with Josh Howell. It's through the company U-Turn, which helps get children off the streets and into some after-school programs. You'll see that soon on my feed, it will not be as a marked on Friday. It will be a very special episode. I'll be talking about the movie The Warriors from 1979 on that specific episode. So that's all for today. Hope you've enjoyed the show. So let's play the last three cues I have, which are Skull and Crossbones, One Last Shot, and last but not least, He's a Pirate. So until next time, happy listening.
Joe-ho. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take some time to review my podcast on iTunes and also listen to it on Podbean. And if you leave a review or rating on there, it'll help us get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com.